ruin this for us. My spidey sense is tingling. He is a man that, equipped with a time hop app, can reach back to the perils of 2009 and troll you from the past. And he's also the host of the Paper Keg Podcast, episode 116. Welcome to the show, paperkeg.com, your one stop shop for the greatest podcast about comics that have ever been made. Uh,. We'll talk about the books we're reading on this show, and then we'll do a book club, one of the biggest indie books of all time, Ghost World. Let's go around the room and introduce the hosts with the, hopefully, moderately enough. Uh, he's a writer. He is a dear friend of mine. Been writing a comic book for probably the better part of six years. Nigh on a decade. Nigh on decade. Uh, that's just poor grammar. You might want to put that in Microsoft Word, just have that looked at. Jonesy loves beer. Welcome to the show. Thank you, of course, for having me. And uh, welcome to your show, Slim. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. Welcome. <laughs> uh, we have another host. Appreciate Our that final gaping black hole in front of Jonesy's face that uh, <laughs> pop filters his pops. Uh, our last remaining living host, VP of Merch. Look at him. Oh, my word. Uh, GIF Star. Have we all seen the GIF that was made recently of, of Dale underscore on the Google Plus? We all on the Google Plus? What? Mm-hmm. Playing the Jonesy Loves Beer drinking game. <laughs> Whenever Jonesy talks or is featured... I really? have to take a drink. N- now it's it's even every time my heavy breathing comes into play. Oh my god! Drink it total heavy bottle, one bottle of booze. Nick v- Nick uh, Nick from the Simpsons on speed dial. Jones doctor. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Dale Underscore, hardcore historian of hardcover comics. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, I'm excited about the show. I'm excited for a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what is going on. You're going. You will have been at Baltimore Comic Con by the time this posts. Yes, I had a great time, and you will. You should look for a full recap next episode because that will probably shadow the. It'll just overtake the news segment because it's definitely worthy. Unless you nothing happens. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if Jonesy shows, yeah. you and Jonesy will have accosted Chris Somney in a fashion that will probably get you banned. That's what I'm hoping. Uh, I'm hoping it's just. Uh, that Bleeding Cool picks us up as a, uh, you know, news item. 
Two handsome Jim. men. Mm-hmm. Would, that would be the title of the post. Two handsome men. Two handsome com. men. <laughs> don't go to that. Whoever's listening, <laughs> do not go to that. We don't know where that goes. Big show tonight. Daniel Close. Legend. Yeah. Huge uh, ghost world. Just felt it was the right time. You know. You've you've been chomping at the bit for this book, Dale. I probably. I don't know. I just I got to randomly bring it up because most of my book club choices will get thoroughly ignored <laughs> completely even when begging via email to do them. So I just must have just hit the right I just hit the right mood. I hit the right buttons this week. And the book is only 80 pages long. So let's all mm. be honest. It was just like Slim could sit in the quiet car. He sat in the <laughs> quiet car of his train and he just read it on his commute home today. Oh man. You know what happened recently, which was probably like worst case scenario, leaving work, you get in the elevator, you have 10 minutes to get to your train, and you realize your headphones are still on your desk. Oh, oh God. I almost just wept How do you live? in the elevator. How do you live? I didn't want to live. Oh, I wanted I to bet. just throw, I wanted to open the elevator doors mid-shaft and just have myself decapitated. You probably- just end it. Billy Joel would have probably wrote a song about you. <laughs> Oh God! I went in the choir. I had to go in the quiet car, my dear quiet car on the train. But enough about me. We'll talk about me later in the show again for more. Absolutely, time. absolutely. Uh, what's happening in the world of news? Can someone get me some news, please? Your writer's favorite writer, Mr. Mark Wade. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Knee deep in 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 thrill bent activities, uh-huh. bought himself in a into a comic shop partnership. What brick mortar print comics in Skokie, Indiana or Illinois? I don't know. I forget which one right now. I, I can. I'll have Walter the intern Cronkite, bring up the article. Please. And not only that, so he's a he's a him and his lady friend has bought into a, a a comic book shop called Alter Ego Comics. And he is like the real deal. He's working the register. He's stocking shelves. He's helping customers. And it's kind of like the big announcement was, you know, obviously everybody thinks he's turned his back on print because he's Captain Digital. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of like showing, well, he's still got a lot of love for the medium. I have uh, two points to bring up. Uh, one, it's Muncie, Indiana. And two, what are our bets that Mark has already sold his new home and is on his way to live there? Mark Farrington, deceased black host of the show. Yeah, he's black, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, and not only that, he has went entered into a partnership Art and Franco's All Yet Comics in Skokie. That's where my data came from. I apologize no, no, for that. No, no, no sure. apologies needed. And they are going to, you know, they're fully invested in each other's shops. They're going to bounce ideas back and forth, see what works, compare notes. You know, probably, it's probably a lot of pie charts and, and budgets at the, at the meetings. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think... I think it's really going to uh, going to help, you know. And he, you're a you're a big fan of this news. 
Dan yeah, underscore think, a VP of merch. I think it's really cool. Not I, you know, I never, I never really thought Mark Wade was a hater of print, and I, you know, I I appreciated what he was, what he is doing via digital. I ju- but I just think it's awesome that he bought into a comic book shop. How cool is that? I mean, comic book shops are thriving, and he, I mean, just to show his love for it. Now, I don't know what he's gonna, how he's gonna find the time to do it all. I heard that he was gonna burn it down. He's gonna burn down the shop. Is, oh, well, see so you, and you're in the inside track. You probably, <laughs> he probably called Slim's personal line to make sure it was okay before he did it. He called my desk phone. He probably gets Slim to talk him down, and he Slim would do no such thing. He's just like, burn it. I don't care. <laughs> so and he, he just vined the phone ringing. That's it. I love comic shops. Everybody knows that. I love ev- each and every comic book shop that's out there. I just want to, I wish nothing but the best for them, especially our show sponsor, the comic book shop in Delaware. Yeah, great people. We'll see them in uh, Baltimore this weekend, mm-hmm. last weekend. You know, I, I think that's the anniversary of their marriage. Baltimore Comic Con, is that right? Did you know that? Uh, is, yeah, did you, they meet? I know they met when they worked at a undisclosed, very large fulfillment gentlemen's company. club. Well, fulfillment company, gentlemen's club, <laughs> kind of the same thing. Most 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 goes unfulfilled at a gentlemen's club. I can oh my <laughs> verify. Dale is on empty fire promises. Tonight. Empty promises all over at the gentlemen's club. I want to talk about it. You think Baltimore is known for its gentlemen's clubs? Is what I read. Oh, we just found out Dale and I are staying over then. Oh, whoops. oh my gosh, we just got a hotel room just now, a kayak. So, so wait, you guys kayak. are going up for one day only? Correct. Or okay, wow. Yeah, we're that's a long. That's a long drive, guys. That is a long drive. Listen, it's we do what we must. If we're only going to get uh, one day together, we are going to go straight Ferris Bueller. You know, we are going to just take that car. We're going to drive all over the place. Thousands Who's going to be mainlining the energy drink at the end of the night so that you guys can drive home? It's what's, probably, what's like? I'm hoping to to get my second stroke ever from trying to ingest three five-hour energies in like two minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah, there's Makes a, a lot of sense. There is a myth that I had two five-hour five hours on the way home from Dale's one night while live recording, and my face froze in one position. <laughs> that is not a myth. I'm here to tell you my physician... Uh, has confirmed that I had a face spasm <laughs> after one recording. Oh my god! <laughs> Medically it's, confirmed. You know, you know that you know, Jonesy. That strikes me as odd because this is the same doctor that has said you're in peak physical condition. Clean I mean, bill of health. Uh, someone with a clean bill of health should probably not be having face spasms. I bet I. I bet you I know what happens. Come uh, last Saturday, as this posts. At Saturday night, Baltimore Comic Con, as we belly up to some bar full of creators, mm. Jonesy's face spasms, and we either get kicked out or the night is ruined. Guaranteed. I know that's coming Wait, already. Was, aren't, don't they go hand in hand? They're not mutually exclusive. Oh, I get kicked geez. out and the night's ruined. Uh, we're we're running out of time. We are. I'd, I, as much as I would love to talk about face spasms for the next hour, uh, we need to get into the comic talk. Jonesy loves beer. Please. Indulge us with a comic book you read. I read an incredible, uh, incredible mm. book this week. Please tell me. It's wow. really, yeah. I mean, I can honestly say one of the best books I have picked up in recent memory. Wow. Like, I want to go and say, like, Northlander's quality, like, just a book that reaches out and grabs you. And of course, I am talking about 
uh, love up. stories to die for. Did you guys read that this week? No. It is a new book uh, from the Image Comics, the Shadowline imprint, uh, by Dirk Manning and Rich Bonk. And mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. uh, just, there. Uh, from what I understand, it's going to be a short story format, two stories, a comic. And it's just going to talk about supernatural love stories. And it's not as lame as I made that sound. It's not like your Twilight or your True Blood or your uh, Werewolf Diaries that's out right now. It's a... Uh, a CW. Like for, yeah, they're all CW shows. Uh, the first story is about... Uh, and this is what made me think North- Northlanders. It's uh, Vikings are kind of hired by like a group of monks to kill some thieves. And uh, they end up facing these demonic vampire-like creatures. And the Vikings are falling, you know, one by one. And the Viking leader is about to, like, go all B.A. and kill them. And the vampire's like, look, they started it. They stole our children. And we're just mm. trying to get them back. And the Lee Viking is like, uh-uh. Now I'm on your side. Let's go get them. Mm-hmm. And then that's it. That's the whole story. You don't even see the, the climax of the story. It's just, you know... It just gets you to the love story element and then lets you go. The second is my favorite, and it's a twist on um, like a first person shooter. Like a guy is a guy is uh, he's trapped in this space station that's like being taken over by these evil aliens, and his wife is like watching him from a control room, and he's like, "I'm coming, baby," but you you blast out. You know, in the escape pod, if I don't get there in time. So the A story is her watching him progress through the space station. But unbeknownst to the husband, she's there with the guy she's been cheating on him with. And they're like, and they're like, you know, uh, uh, we should leave this escape pod because you're going to run away with me anyway. He's got no shot. And she's like, no, I got to, you know. He's my husband, and he's doing the right thing by us. He's saving our lives. I at least have you know watch him die. I owe him that much, that much respect. So the B story is the husband is like making his way through a space station. He saves like some tech that like is just like trying to defend this poor other tech's corpse, and they decide to team up, and through through a miracle, he makes it to the control room. So he gets into the control room, and you're like, oh, my God, he's going to find those two and kill them. So he gets in there, and the chamber's empty. So he's like, oh, my God, I told you not to leave. He assumes he dies, so he takes the escape pod and leaves. And then the next panel is they just come out of the back room from doing it, and the escape pod's Uh (laughs) gone with the good husband in it, and the aliens are about to get to the control room and kill them. it was amazing. This this book is amazing, and I can't wait for the second issue. What the heck made you grab this book? Uh, yeah, it was just, it ask. was featured in the app. You know, I was uh, I was cruising the app for something new to read. You know, I like to you know cruise, cruise, like cruise, and uh, I love image number ones. I've stated that multiple times, and this fit both. So this I picked it up, and I property. was uh, yeah, Shadowline imprint. Oh yeah, that's right, and. You said uh, that. I was I was just carried away. It, it picked me up in its big, strong arms. Uh, you know, pushed my hair back and said, "Everything's going to be okay, Jonesy. You just come with me, <laughs> like an officer and a gentleman." And I took 
off the book sailor hat and I put it on my head and we walked out into the sunset together. Never to wow. go back to that union shop hard job life that I had before. This book that's was great. Po- that's a poll quote for issue two, I think. <laughs> it's going to have yeah. all that text in the back and it's going to say, at Jonesy Loves Beer. And well, the, cover, the cover of the book is just going to be Richard Gere. So it all works out. <laughs> all works out in the end it uh it was i i mean i've been excited to talk about it all day so it's uh and that's a rarity that you know i've been so pumped by a book that i've been thinking about it all day it's really good you kind of premature a little bit by tweeting about it earlier but (laughs) i didn't want to bring it up well i was trying to get my pick of doom tweet in so i had to make something you know flippant so that slim would read it which i'm sure he did just classic flippant loves beer uh (laughs) that we're all used to but let's sure tony ice had my back Let's uh let's cut to the chase Meta. right now. We need to get into something that is that has rattled me to the core. Oh boy, here we go. Of my being. A little storyline that uh, I like to call Battle of the Atom. Oh my god. From Marvel oh, yeah. Comics. Yep. <sighs> I think Jones is premature a little bit it, again. This show is getting my Damaged and aged libido started up again like a chainsaw. Wow. Oh, Love stories to die for, and now Battle of the Atom. Ooh, ooh. We might, ha- we might ooh. just made the adult tag. We might have to be, I have to mark this as explicit after that. I, I, we tirade. could be, you know, sciences and health by using the word libido. Battle of the Atom, Marvel Comics. Uh, as you may or may not know, the original X Men have been brought into present day by M- Hank McCoy. And it's wreaking havoc. So, therefore, obviously, time travel must rear its beautiful face once more. And the future X-Men come to present day. What? To say, you guys done did it. You effed up. These kids gotta get up out of here. But, uh... So, Deadpool is one of the future X-Men. He's all haggard looking. (laughs) Uh, Kitty Pride equally haggard. There's a female Zorn character, Zorna, as she has been called in sketches. Zorna. Uh, Beast. There's a, With a there's horn a Wolverine. on his head. Yeah, there's a Wolverine character that was in sketches, but I don't know if he's not going to make the series or what. But um, what is the the redhead in the X Men? Jean Grey. Uh, no, the 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 daughter. Rachel. Rachel Grey. That's it. Rachel Summers. Rachel, Rachel Summers. Rachel Grey. Summers. Uh. Ascani, or whatever the hell Cable's last name was. Oh, Hope. Uh, Dayspring. Hope. Nathan Dayspring. So Rachel Gray uh, asked this Zorna character, like, who the heck are you? And she takes off the Zorn mask. Spoilers. That could melt your face. And it's Jean Gray. Gorgeous <laughs> as ever. Faces melted. Thanks to Stuart Eminent artwork. Stuart. I mean, did... I mean, wh- and what was your reaction after you read that that page with uh, Gene's beautiful, stored imminent face? My lord, I I was stunned by this issue. Uh, first of all, at the beginning, where the old Cyclops blinks in and out of existence thing, I didn't think that was hackneyed. I thought it was really cool, and then uh, I thought that was going to be an issue where they weren't going to give me a lot. I thought they were going to try, you know, almost. Um, like before AVX, mm-hmm. when it was that Cyclops miniseries where he was just like thinking for eight, for eight issues. Mm-hmm. So I was I was like, oh, they're going to drag this on. 
Like yeah, Prelude to Schism or whatever that was. Yeah, Prelude to Schism, that's it. And then when I saw that GD page, I was like, you've been telling me Jean Grey ain't coming back, babe. And then all of a sudden, there she is. You're toying with my heart, and now you've got it. This could have easily been like a USA Today Tuesday news story, but they just they kept it quiet, and I was surprised, pleasantly surprised. I didn't see like anything until I read it for myself, and I didn't know there was some kind of like big thing happening. No, I, I, this isn't going to be except a for long when I spoiled series, it. Is except it? for when I spoiled it for Dale. Dale, did you not read it yet? No, I, I, uh, <laughs> oh no! No, it's okay. I, oh. For the good of the show, it needed to be talked about, but uh, oh. I didn't. I didn't even make it to the comic shop yet this week. Oh, so. damn it's okay. Hey, no, guys, listen. It's really okay. I still can't wait to read the story. I, I honestly, oh. I'm not. I'm I'm okay. I I'm listen. Uh, I'm fine. Also, well, drink cool. something on Saturday, okay? <laughs> um, how about the? There's also a character which they your wife's watching. I'm not, sh- I'm not sure if they've revealed in the sketches that, from the story, but there's a character on the X Men too, which is Xavier's like grandson, who looks just like Charles Xavier, but like young, so he looks like the ultimate version of Charles Xavier. Yeah. So who are his parents? Do we know that yet? I don't know, but I love it. I love every g damn second of it. Because <laughs> he's I probably mean, gonna Xavier's be really back upset with Cyclops. in theory. In theory, Xavier's back. What if in what if it was Xavier's grandson and Xavier took over his mind and now Xavier is his own grandson? What if? Did you see why would Josie's he eyeball light up, like open up? It's so wide like the telltale heart. <laughs> the telltale heart. The uh I mean we're I think we're witnessing history with Eminence art in this story. Like the, mm. his his it's something else. Mm-hmm. It is really something else. Did this all happen in Battle for the Atom number one? No, this took place. The, the reveal that I'm talking about took place in all new X Men. Okay. The Battle of the Atom was Frank Cho. Um, what the heck was? Oh, with Sentinels. I think it was mm. like the Sentinel storyline, okay. and then the future X Men show up in the last page. And which actually were drawn by Stuart Eminem. I guess Cho had some problems finishing the book in time. But Battle for the Atom was a quality title as well this week, Dale. I mean, I'm looking at this Jean Grey page. Oh, oh man. I'm excited. Oh, you know, it's, it's 10 issues, but it's not, you know, it just skips around from title to title. It's bookended by Battle for the Atom, like 1 and 10 or 1 and 2. But all the rest takes place in the X-Men titles, which is cool. What I didn't realize, too, I had read Battle for the Atom today and was like, oh, God, I got to wait until part two. But part two came out the same day, mm-hmm. and I was like, whoa. But, um, yeah, I'm loving the young Xavier. He's got those, like, goofy eyebrows that are just obnoxious, Kirby-esque eyebrows that are, like, touching the back of his head. He looks great. I'm just going to give him a big old kiss on his eyebrows. Mm-hmm. Dale underscore A. What book uh, have has not been ruined for you that you can talk about? <laughs> I read Hit number one. Oh, yeah, okay. Hit number one. It takes place in 1955, Los Angeles, California. California. And basically, historically speaking, uh, by, by this is by Bryce Carlson and Vanessa R. Del Rey, by the way. Hmm. Historically speaking, if you want to put it in perspective by in the X universe... The Los Angeles Police Department had basically no control over the city. Violent crime was rampant. Organized crime was off the charts. So basically there were secretive 
sanctioned, organized hit squads comprised of Los Angeles police officers to just go in undetected, kill, and get out of there before getting pegged or whatever. Wow. So Hit uh, focuses on a detective by the name of Slater who is basically like the uncanny X-Force of the Los Angeles PD. I mean, he, him and his captain share things and his captain gives him assignments basically to do the dirtiest of deeds, kill gangsters, whatever he's got to do. He's got resources at his disposal to make sure you know, the, the cops aren't implicated. Mm-hmm. And he ends up running back into the captain's daughter who had ran out of town a few years back because she ended up being like some heroin kingpin and then running out of town, setting up shop in Cleveland, getting in major trouble out there, escaping back because you know the only one that can help her, Slater, the awesome detective. And the last page, spoilers, I don't care who read it and who didn't read it, <laughs> uh, Brianna, the the blonde temptress heroin dealer, kills a cop oh, God. in oh. Slater's apartment. Oh. Slater's freaking out. He's like, you killed a cop. What's What's to happen? Great story. The inner monologue is fantastic in this book. And he's got. He talks about his partner, Sticky Stickleman. He's like, this guy's by the book, but in a pinch, there's no one greater that you would want at your side. I was really, really impressed by this. I don't know. I think uh, the comic book shop in Delaware kind of convinced me to pick it up. It's a Boom Studios title, hmm. which admittedly, probably the last thing I read from Boom was maybe Potter's Field. I wow. Don't, you know, we don't book club a while ago. Yeah, don't don't read a lot of boom, but uh, th- with quality like this, yeah, I could definitely give it more of a chance. This reminded me of uh, like L.A. Confidential, and kind of maybe like invoke those feelings of kind of seeing that setting for the first time, and kind of like that classic. I don't know. I don't know what you want to call it. Like bright lights, big city, but at the same time like Rocketeer-esque gangsters and I think there was a movie that came out that ha- that's not a, it's not the same characters but kind of based on the same source material and I think it's like Gangster Squad. Uh, mm. Don't clip that out because I cracked my voice when I said it but I know you will. Uh, I just, um, I- I'm fascinated with these real life sanctioned kill squads Mm-hmm. That were just like, yeah. hey, you're go ahead and do it, and these right. are the people we need you to take out. So, I'm interested to see where this goes. It's and it's very street level noir, noir, whatever. And people know that I'm all about street level, so I'll keep reading. You're the most street level person I've ever met in my life. <laughs> For real, I'm from the streets. Fantastic book. Uh, check it out. There's smoking. Guy smokes constantly. Uh-oh. Hard liquor is being ingested constantly. I almost tried to drink my iPad just falling in love with this book. <laughs> they need to come up with a case for you, Dale, that's part iPad case, part flask. Oh, my God. Good heavens. Rest in peace, Dale. Kickstarter it. Forever. Kickstarter. What was the last Kickstarter you backed? <laughs> you haven't gone back, have oh, you? Oh, man, I am totally off on the wagon. I am completely over Kickstarter quickly. Probably the last one. 
maybe Fairy Quest by Paul Jenkins and Umberto. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Your boy. Yeah. Mm, and he's going to do it again. I'm very apprehensive because I want the complimentary, I want the complimenting hardcover to Fairy Quest, but I don't know if I can Kickstarter anymore. I get carried away. Things flub up. Luckily, I've gotten all my product that I backed, but I can't just, I'm not into it anymore. You know? uh, two sentences or less. Lightning round. Another book you read. Jonesy loves beer. Please, God, please. <laughs> Reality Check by Image Comics. What if you were a struggling comic book writer, uh, like me, and uh, you finally wrote a story and got a deal in your life, which has been tragic, and you kind of lived in your older brother's shadow? Turned around. Second sentence. And then what if that comic was real, y'all. Giant size X-Men number one, 1975. Holds up surprisingly well. And it's not even a Chris Claremont written issue. The Star Wars number one. A comic based on George Lucas's original screenplay. That wasn't a sentence. It was just describing. Okay. That wasn't a sentence either. <laughs> Almost a jarring experience knowing what you know and trying to rewire your brain to read this. Nonetheless, I am excited to see what he had in mind in the very beginning. Ghost World. Daniel Clothes. With a W. Indie Sensation. Teenagers across the world. Love it. They just relate. Adolescence. Um, with that said, we go to our resident adolescent uh <laughs> Historian Jonesy loves beer, who is who specializes in female angst. Uh, you know, it's true. One time I did adolesce. Um, <laughs> so Ghost World it's appropriate. is <laughs> the tale of Enid and Becky, and they are two early nineties. Post high school, pre college, lost Generation X young ladies. And their lives are full of angst. And like most post teen, pre 20s people, they are convinced that the world revolves around them. And it is their duty to fight boredom by changing the world around them. Uh, this story uh, follows a bunch of days in the life that are quasi-interconnected uh, as they build relationships with uh, a, a young man named Josh. And they travel 
their town basically to F with people in one way or another. Uh, and it's, I mean, I can just think of a couple of buzzwords to summarize the story. You know, angst, sex, angst, snark, solemnness, or is it solemnity? I'm not an English major. The solemnity of Jonesy. Uh, I've read about that in Catholic school. <laughs> and it's just, uh, it's, it is very relevant and a, a perfect, <laughs> a perfect snapshot of like. 1992 and what it was like to go to grow up in an era where you were kind of an affluent middle class person who had everything but thought you had nothing and how does that direct the flow of your life ghost world man that was a great synopsis i think it really that was could be one of your best ones thank you we might not even have to do the book club now you guys just want to get out of here you're you're a regular journal janine garofalo over there you just get it <laughs> I feel like I should be wearing a V-neck and, you know, a, a Catholic schoolgirl skirt and smoking a cigarette and just, you know, putting my hands on my back like this. Sounds like you're talking about your honeymoon. <laughs> the So this is, I'm really interested to hear what you thought about it, Jonesy, because this is in your wheelhouse, this book. It is Ghost or is not in my wheelhouse? It's not. No, it is I not. I don't think it is. Um, so it takes a drink. No, what are you what are you drinking over there? Yeah, was that, that water? Is that Coke Crystal? Yeah, it's, it's Crystal Clear <laughs> Diet Coke. In a Kirkland uh, drinking water bottle. Um, Not a show sponsor, by the way. We have no affiliation. We have no connection to those people. So, what my feelings on this book are complicated, post sci. Um, and I don't want to mark Farrington anybody here, but I absolutely appreciate this book as it affects and relates to people that are a fan of this genre. Like to step away from myself and away away from my likes and my comfort level, I can totally see how if you were a, a mid '90s child or someone who grew up in the early '90s, kind of came to yourself, came to your adulthood in the '90s, how much this book would mean to you as being totally relatable and kind of like your own personal story, the story of your journey of how you found yourself. And I thought the uh, the ending parts where um, Becky kind of finally finds love and validation in Josh, which is what her character arc really was. Like she was trying so desperately to get validated by Becky that she finally realized that the only way to validate herself was to do something for herself. I thought as an adult and, uh, you know, someone who's married and a father and understands that journey to see it on the page was very well done. And I, I even thought Becky's, journey of kind of getting over herself was also well done and kind of tells you about how the sacrifices that you have to make in life to kind of become an adult all of that was very well written and the the author i I know that he's a that he has some other properties that are a lot like that that are just based in the real world and i have an absolute appreciation for what he's able to do with character journeys and kind of make it relatable like you are there in this town and this is happening around you and nothing about it is fantastical. At the same time, the part of me that is reading this book is that I just, I read it for this show and I don't know that I would ever pick up another book by this author again, but I can't 
deny the fact that he's talented, and I can't deny the fact that this is a good story. That's what I think of it. (laughs) (laughs) The most awkward ending to a comment on a book ever. And those are my thoughts. I, I, I... it took me a while to get into the beginning of it because I, I'm not sure if I tried to read it too fast because I was in a time uh, time uh, suck to get it done. 16 minutes before but this episode, Eric. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, but While it felt pooping. like it was happening at a fast <laughs> clip. Um, but I think it was just how I was reading the characters um, because I felt like I jumped right into how the characters were and how they were acting with each other, like kind of yelling at each other and almost kind of scolding each other harshly as teenagers, I guess, sometimes do. I don't remember doing that as, as a youth myself, but, um, but I, I, it, the, the overall journey of the characters was, I think, rewarding. Um, but the, the time frame I was definitely out of place. Like the time frame of not just the, the overall, um, I mean, I guess that kind of those kind of the main characters still exist today. I'm not. Sh- I mean, they even call themselves hipsters, but um, it still felt very grungy. You know, kind of like n- unsure of themselves, and she even dressed like a punk person at one point, and kind of um, played it off as an aloof attempt to just dress that way. Um, but I mean, the overall like there was. I think the the part that intrigued me the most was not the main characters, like the the guy that uh, could see your future, the freak kind of jerk that was friends with a child molester that ended up defending him on television, like and the like those characters. Like I was more excited when I saw the other characters outside of the main characters. I didn't feel like you got to cut open the main characters enough to see what they were really feeling. I felt like only you only saw like inside their head, like once in a blue moon. And I was meant to interpret their true feelings, not often enough. And I think by the time I got to the end of the book, it felt like I wasn't, I don't know, maybe I just, the journey wasn't quite enough for me emotionally to understand them breaking apart and going about their own way. But that was just my personal take. Yeah, I think what I think I'm with Jonesy seeing the uh the rewarding aspect at the end. Um all you can read in the first seventy five pages of this book is like how Enid especially is just a complete jerk off. Like yeah. she she is just a, 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 a not a good person. She's very sure of herself, and she, uh, like you said, the she obviously thinks the world revolves around her. And you know, yeah, she's she runs into some awful people too, like the child molester defender and, and stuff like that. But you know, the way like I was like really touched. Like, there's the creepy. Keats guy who looks like Don Knotts they keep saying and like <laughs> Don my favorite line he said they said Don Knotts with a homeless tan <laughs> yeah. which was hilarious and like so they make a prank phone call to him and like basically just like dishearten him from ever coming to the diner again and stuff because he's a little weird 
And, you know, they're equally as weird, but nobody's going to call them out on it because they're not hedge. No, you know, nobody else is as headstrong as they are. So the reward came in the fact that by the end, they were matured. Now, it, it kind of snuck up and, like, happened all of a sudden almost because even when Enid was, like, struggling with her choice to go to college and stuff like that, it almost seemed like out of the blue against what she was being depicted on the page. Like, obviously, she had an interest to go to college, but nothing came through except, like, that tiff near the end with Becky about how she's trying to, you know, maybe she wants to find herself and be a different person. But nowhere is the struggle indicated to where she... I I don't think where she has trouble knowing who she is. Like I didn't, I didn't. The only time experience I that saw, battle. Yeah, the only time I saw that was when she was driving in the car with her, and they were talking about if it was uncomfortable that she wanted to go to school with her, and then mm-hmm. Enid's like, "Well, maybe I just want to become a totally different person at school," and that was like the only point I was like, "Okay, well, there's there's a line where she says." You know, that's where she wants to just change. And maybe she realizes that, you know, mm-hmm. she can't be this way the rest of her life. And and I guess at the end, too, where she went to go see... Like, I don't even know how much time had passed. I didn't see a, a note, but when she goes to the a... diner and they're kind of older and, she's, and her friend is dating Josh and she's not at school. We don't know what her status is, but she seems kind of aimless. Um and she just kind of goes to the beach and sees homeless tan Don Knotts, and then she just leaves town on a bus. And I guess that's where she finally sets on her own path. Mm-hmm. But I think, in, in my view, I think if that kind of switch took place kind of too short, like that kind of stuff happened at the end, kind of like really close to the end. The way I, don't know. The way I interpreted that... Um... Because I actually had to flip back like 10 pages and see if I had missed something. Because it did happen so fast. And I don't know if that was supposed to be like a heavy-handed explanation of how life sneaks up on you. Like if he was trying to tell, you know, relate that lesson in a series of like smash cuts. Mm-hmm. Like so like it, it is an equivalent of like, hey, this is before you know it in a flash. This is what life's going to be like. And I don't know if he was trying to, you know really drive that message home in like an artistic way. I mean that's that was my interpretation. And also maybe he was just trying to keep it to like the eighty page because this was originally he knew, pr- he knew that one year I, a <laughs> podcast would need to keep yeah. it at eighty pages because they're reading <laughs> seven thousand pages of Akira comics. Um yeah these were originally published in like his monthly comic called Eight Ball. And now these are collected and, and called Ghost World in this collected edition. But Yeah, I wonder if I would appreciate it more if I read them in singles as as piecemeal fragments of their lives. And like one issue was like, okay, this is the final issue. Mm-hmm. This is where that finally happens as opposed to kind of breezing through in a collected format where that um, big change takes place in the last 20 pages or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I do see it. I like. I can see why it's it's highly regarded for you know its subject matter with many 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 people and critics. Like I can see it 
you know, obviously if people at certain areas of their life, they can relate to these characters and these moments and stuff, but it didn't, uh, it didn't grab me as much as I was hoping. Yeah. I, my wife, um, ha- owns this film. Uh, it was turned to a, a major motion picture and, uh, I asked her about it cause she, I guess in the movie, the, um, the gentleman who they call and say that, you know, where that girl we you met and come on down, we want to date you. And the guy shows up oh, at yeah. the uh, at the shop and in the book he's a throwaway character and I think uh the writer worked on a screenplay and made him made him a much um bigger role and kinda combines that record uh, collection story with it. And I asked my wife and I said, This is a you know, this is a very well regarded book, you know, what am I what am I getting into? And she was just like, it's very myopic of a certain time period. Mm. And uh, I definitely discovered that as I read it. I was not like, that is a laser focus view of like one particular year in time. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, all the critics who are out there writing now are, you know, essentially our age group. So they all live through this. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it it definitely strikes a note with you when you read it. Mm-hmm. I mean, every one of us can remember, you know, being obnoxious in a diner in our late teens, early twenties, oh, because God. we could go, because we could go out and do whatever we wanted or get drunk, and you know, and then we we were just the cool kids, you know, in a boot. Like everybody can remember, mm-hmm. can relate to that. Anybody, maybe not everybody, but you know, a well, vast we, majority of people. It, the thing is, we were the cool kids, Jonesy. We were the cool kids yeah, going out I, until 2 a.m. and we were. going to Warminster West Diner and getting 20 wings and, and then uh, driving home drunk. <laughs> Just Dave would order the left side of the menu. You could eat eggs, bacon, cheeseburger, wings, mozzarella the sticks. The greatest times of our lives. And toast. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. But I actually have read some of other Daniel Close other work uh I do recommend that you seek out some of his other work, Jonesy. I'll, I'll have to get you a list. Okay. Um, I mean, he's an amazing cartoonist. I love his. I love his style. I love his work. Um, it's just that I think I maybe I prefer some of his older stuff. Like maybe you know, this Ghost World wasn't for thirty-year-old uh, fathers. Matt, yeah. Uh, at this time, but I mean, it's for the majority, for the most part, it's for other people. I I just think the payoff was with, you know, whether Becky is completely satisfied with her, the end result or not, she was able to sort of at least find a path and break away from that miserable Enid character because she was a terror. You wanted to just strangle Enid. She was just an awful, awful person. Awful. Were you uncomfortable reading Ghost World at any point with Enid? Well, not uncomfortable, but I was like, my God, she's a loudmouth. She's an awful loudmouth. <laughs> she's mouthy. Ma- manipulative, mean, because the world owes her something. Like, it was funny at first, but it was just like, she w- she was relentless with her criticism of people. And, you know, I could definitely relate to being um, c- critical because, you know, people, owe, you know, people owed me and I was that age but you know probably looking back now and looking at to what we are and what we do like it's kind of it's definitely softened me up I'm a father I'm a husband 
I, you know, I great husband. I read comics and I, you know, not that that's anything to fart at, but I mean, people what we read and talk about on a podcast on a weekly basis, like people put hard work into this and how dare we other than for the sake of comedy like really trash and be mean spirited and stuff like that and i was and between that and being a father i'm just like i cannot relate to enid at all whether she wants to go to college or not we got your letters enid i'm gonna open them up Farrington's gonna read them to you. Miss you, buddy. Letters at paperkeg.com. If you want to write us a letter uh, and talk about comic books, if we have the time, we'll read it on the air and say your name. Jonesy or Dale will say your name. So, first letter tonight uh, has some spoilers in it. Um, And it goes, now that the solicits are officially out... We know that Nightcrawler is going to come back from the dead. My only question is, why did it take so long? Nobody else would have stayed dead without a clone for that long. In my mind, Nightcrawler has the second best mutant origin story, second Magneto. As the resident X-Men podcast experts, what is your take? So I'm going to feel this one to you. <laughs> Actually, it's- Funny because I just read uh, his first appearance in that giant size X Men, and it's fantastic. Oh yeah, fantastic when he's being hunted down by those townspeople, and they want to kill him because he's different and all that stuff. How long? Um, how long has he been dead? Five years? Four years? Messiah Complex? It has to be like five years. I yeah, think. that sounds like right. Maybe five fish. I think I was just kind of getting back into the comics and doing. Yeah, I, I was. I don't think that's totally out. out of the ordinary now. I was out of that era. I don't know why, but I think it was the. I th- it might have been the Brubaker fraction era of X Men comics, which didn't appeal to me at, in any iota. And I just like stopped reading. Um, well, the the one Brubaker mini I liked, but that was about it. I don't know. I guess if you have to kill a character, he has to stay dead for some period of time, whether it's Nightcrawler or not. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a standard now. I mean, there's a standard length of time. Cap Cap was dead probably five years, right? Something like that? couple. No, no I, don't, I, think, three. I think two max. Really? I mean, yeah. Professor X, at the end of that, I think it was Messiah Complex or another one. I mean, he was shot point blank in the face and died, and he came back. Yeah, what do I know? And then uh, I think it was like a weird panel. I remember I think Chris Bacalo drew it, and he got shot in the face, and his body lay there dead. And then the very next panel's body was missing. It was like this weird little red herring that, like, oh, he, maybe he's not dead. Oh. Boop, boop, and that boop. was, I think that was what led into when X Men Legacy became like a Professor X and Magneto title, and Magneto like nursed him back to health for a few years on Genosha or some such. I vaguely remember that. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty cool. Maybe they were just right, waiting for the, the right time, you know, to bring Nightcrawler back, and with the X Men resurgence now. Bendis and Aaron tag teaming Marty Jannetty, Shawn Michaels style on this X Men uh, franchise. They they can't be stopped right now. Let's be honest. I Can I tell stand? you what. I tell you what. I don't understand why we need another X Men title though. Whether it be Aaron Penn or not, Ed McGinnis, he's going to be on that right. book for like three issues. You're and absolutely probably artists. right. But 
I mean, add him into Wolverine, the X-Men, for God's sake. He probably will be in that book, too, or some such. Give him some swashbuckling adventures in the school. I don't know. Well, that's what when... What do I know? What do I know? Yeah, what do we know, Well, that's right when, uh, you know, probably another another two years, and they, and they fold up and consolidate some X titles again because they wrote it for as hard and long as they could. Well, that Wolverine the X-Men was like the money ticket for Marvel before Marvel now, but now it's not. Yeah. Now X-Men is. Jim yeah. Lynn, thanks for the letter. Next up. Our friend and yours at Dragonfro on the Twitter. So, has the Robin Williams casting in Batfleck been cleating bull firmed yet? <laughs> or is this some inside info from Supervan Fark Marrington? I'm enjoying Infinity so far, but has everyone forgot about the whole APOC twins thing? So many events, so little time, huh? Over, under, which issue cloak shows up for no reason other than it's an event book? <laughs> Lightning round. Infinity against the tide. Surfer kicking A makes me happy. The art by Augustine Alessio makes me happier. Later peeps at Dragonfro on the Twitter. Yeah, that art and that... That Marvel Infinite book is spectacular. The uh, he's right about the cloak. Cloak just shows up, <laughs> random ass times. Tell you what, I don't get that Marvel Infinity. Don't get it one bit. Hickman, uh, I'm I'm punching out. I'm punching out. <laughs> You're clocking out. I'm, I'm clocking really? out. Really? What with issue two? Issue two. The way the villains talk in that book. Like just makes my head hurt. I don't know what it is. It's just and that's the uh, the builders, right? The ex Nihilo, the builders, the the, the oh, herald God. of Thanos. It's just the conversations that take place. It's like you know what? Now that it reminds me of, do you remember? Uh, what was it? Uh, maybe it was Dawson's Creek or the, this Where is the TV this writer Josh Josh Williamson or whoever wrote Kevin Dawson's Williamson. Creek. Or, Kevin, Kevin Williamson? Williamson used to write TV shows. In a manner that no one ever spoke in real life. Mm-hmm. Oh, I do recall that. And asked ton of people. I think Hickman could be the Kevin Williams Williamson it, of comics for me. But it was oh, so refreshing man. at the time. It was understandable. It, well, it was for me. Hickman's writing was super refreshing for a while. Like I love his Fantastic Four stuff, and I love some of his other stuff. But his current stuff is just like I can't do it. I it's just, just not for me. I have a picture in my head that he's like at a conference table, and the editorial <laughs> staff is on the other side. And they're reading the book, and he's just sitting there, like, right, guys? Like, nodding, like, right? Are you feeling this? And, but, I mean, you know, like, people love it. Like, there's a bunch of people that, that worship at his feet. And, you know, rightly so for a lot of his stuff. But mm-hmm. I just, it, like, it makes my, I, I don't even want to talk about it anymore. It's just making my head I hurt. just feel like he's not being reined in on this title at all. It uh, mm-hmm. probably makes your butt sound like it's, it's a train pulling into the station. <laughs> <laughs> That's a callback. <laughs> callback. <laughs> Alleged callback <laughs> to an off-the-record conversation. <laughs> off the, nothing's off the record with you two. You should know that by now. Uh, but I mean, I mean, I, I don't want to discount anyone to not read Infinity. I guess Dragonfro likes it. You know, I mean, you you might love it, but it's just uh, he probably it's not gets the kind it though. You know, he's, into. he's the king. He probably gets all that writing. Oh yeah, he loves Dawson's Creek and whatever that awful show was wait. with the mother what was the the one with the mother and the daughter that people loved oh uh ooh, Gilmore hang girls. on that Gilmore is it. girls yep. good lord i wanted to strangle everybody on that tv show i watched like one episode hot <laughs> flaming garbage <laughs> wow i think you pulled a dale right there 
trying to alienate the uh the Gilmore Enid. girls Dawson's you know, Creek crowd. Bye 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 thirty thousand foot Tumblr followers. <laughs> They're just what a show. all those Tumblr bloggers that re uh, repost Dawson Dawson with an angry cry are just gonna <laughs> unfollow right. us. That's right. <laughs> That's the classic Tumblr gif right there. God, how bad was that season series finale when she picked Pacey? Yeah, who Dawson's saw that? It's not Pacey's Creek. That was dreadful. Awful. I only watched it on TBS at like 5 and 6 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> when so I, I've never when seen When you're the getting the kids ready for school and it's all yeah. in the background, I can relate. Uh, one of the best shows I can remember in recent history for book clubs. Cool. That's, that's <laughs> cool. Dale's last show, everybody. Oh Thanks God. for your valid input. Cool. <laughs> Sorry. We'll see. We'll see everybody next week, I guess. resurgence of a memory that I forgot about while planning a previous book club. Yeah. We were going to do another PK Nights, but it was going to be all crossed uh, Avatar books. Really? Remember that? Did we talk about that? Or Cross was going to be the book club? I do vaguely remember that. Cross needs to be... I mean... Let me break out the candles. Dale's sweating already. We're just just I'm talking about it. <laughs> There's something so tantalizing, and I'm I'm I know I'm supposed to be repulsed by by crossed, but that one <laughs> issue I read, I can't. I sometimes I can't stop thinking about what like what could come next out of the minds of those sickness, exactly. the sickness of crossed. I can't wait. I would read a twelve issue. I would read a Punisher read <laughs> a crossed omnibus. <laughs> I mean, because that is some sick, tantalizing stuff. You put your wife to bed and you scurry down to the basement <laughs> like, and you just <laughs> hop onto the couch, kick your slippers off, and just lay that out of us out. I mean, what, let's, when are we going to do that? Let's do that. Well, we already talked about a possible book club for next show, right, via text, I'm, if we want to do that. Or shed. we do cross. Or... <laughs> it was shed. <laughs> uh or you know we could do cross we could do another PK nights too. Oh man, the return we might have to get uh, catcher see if we can contract catcher to put up some kind of imagery. Do they sell cross? I can only imagine. N- no, <laughs> I mean I, that's a book that will probably never be sold in an app if it's ever available. Yeah, that's why. Uh, give I think us some Jesse time. Just go- I think Jesse just googled crossed. <laughs> give, us these- some, give us some Ooh. time to get a hold of it. Did you just Google it, John? I just did a Google image search, friends. Oh my God! It is. <laughs> it it is so. What you should amazing. do is now Google crossed uh, variant covers mm. for an article that happened the last month, and then look at all those variant covers and just. Uh, 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 Garth Ennis. <laughs> <laughs>
and friends. Cy Spurrier. I mean, people do like big names write this, and it's completely amazing. Mm-hmm. I wonder Apparently, if it's like directors who use false names when they do dirty movies. Scare amazing. I mean, the the story is that it's very gory. It's like gore, but it's like horror gore. Like it's. I guess they try to say maybe it's no different than a gory horror movie, but it's just in comic form. Right. I don't know. With I mean, hard we'll R-ing. We'll find out uh, with hard R-ing and PK Knights too. Yes. Whenever it is. Hashtag PK Knights. <laughs> Right, yeah, guys? That is right? right. Uh, you're crossing the streams right now. Yeah. Streams are being crossed. Crossing Podcast the streams. streams. You, you went there. You brought you I, re- I didn't tweet it. I read it. I did read it, though. I know. What a show. <laughs> Good. What a show. Good. <laughs> cool. <What>? Cool. <laughs> like, I, ju- I hope the book club, you know, I it wasn't one of I our more the- glowing... But that's that's fine. We need one where we don't all yeah, gush. That's true. And true. and hard J all over. And if Marvel it's going to be anything, it's going to be this where you try to wrap your mind around something that the whole world gets, and you don't. This might as well be Jonathan Hickman writing this right now. <laughs> Ghost World. God, do I have it on here? I might want to read. Can I recite some of the pages? No, I don't think. Of crossed. No, oh. not of crossed. Infinity. I don't think I have it. Like if I read novels and there was some kind of super intelligent novelist that people say like, oh, it's hard to read that book. It's hard to read by that author. <laughs> but I don't read novels. Who has the time to read a novel? Not me. No one. I read, uh, I'm reading Snow Crash right now. It's all via audiobook. That's why I read novels, audiobook. Yeah, I just started 2001 A Space Odyssey this morning. An audio book for him. Uh, Yaromo Pena did art in Infinity 2, but not the whole issue. Hmm. Didn't have time. God bless. I am a servant of my master, Thanos, a destroyer of worlds, a breaker of kings. I am one of five, Corvus Clave. Thanos named his general the Cull Obsidian, meaning midnight slaughter, but we prefer the Black Order. It's less foreboding. Our master, he does allow us some indulgences. So was that a whole panel? Just that word bubble? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just not for me. I don't want to make it sound like I'm trash. Like, I love right. his work, but his Marvel Avenger stuff just is, isn't drawing me in. I'm just saying that Ag Custom right now is just crying into a bowl of Chipotle and just shoving it in his face, crying that you hate Hickman and just rubbing himself with Manhattan Projects to get feel good by osmosis. It's a smart move. I mean, I like Manhattan Projects. Tell you what. My book is out of this world. What, Charlie?